0: Good Sunday morning and welcome to Money Wise with Ray Lance of USA Wealth Group, your financial and retirement guide. The mission of USA Wealth is to help you protect your family and protect your money. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to
1: Money Wise, another edition on a Sunday morning. Thank you very much for listening and good morning to Attorney Tenny Lance, who is our special guest this morning. Good morning, Tenny.
2: Good morning, everyone.
1: And Tenny, by the way, is from Lance Law Inc., which is at 352 Fonts Corner Road. And uh, she's been an attorney for more years than I can possibly remember or count.
0: What do you think of that, Kenny? When he says that, what what goes through your mind when he says things like that?
2: I don't want to talk about it online. (laughs) More
0: years than I can imagine. No, it just means she's very experienced. That's all I meant by that,
1: Phil. We're going to be talking about some uh, interesting things in the news. We're going to be talking a little bit about what happens in China. They're changing their policies on how many babies one can have, and what the implications of that are for this country. And I'd like to actually start out this morning by saying a big congratulations to you and your family, Phil. And congratulations to Alex Paliologos, who's just recently joined the Chamber of Commerce, Greater New Bedford Area Chamber of Commerce, as Membership Development Account Representative. Thank you so So,
0: much. That means a lot. Thank you, I just
1: got my edition of the uh, Chamber News, and (laughs) I... opened the page, and I said, I know Alex. Yes, you do. And I know his dad. Yes. Oh, that's so, wonderful.
2: Congratulations, congratulations to, to him. Congratulations
1: to Alex. It was uh, exciting to Thank read that you. in the it's Chamber very newspaper. Thoughtful.
0: Very, very thoughtful of you. Appreciate well, that.
1: Another up-and-coming member of the community. Thank you very much. I'd like to begin this morning. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some current events, although not in great detail, because that's not what this show is about. But There were some interesting things I saw recently in the news that I thought people might want to know about and then say, well, why is that important to know about? So China's leaders have scrapped their one-child policy for many years, going back to the 1970, uh, China had a population of about 800 million people and they had a fairly reasonable, normal fertility rate of about 5% growth a year in their population. And China was concerned about that, and they thought, we're going to have too many people, we can't support them. So um, by 10 years later, 1979, their fertility rate had dropped to 2.7% growth, and they felt that was still too much. So in 1980, the Communist Party in China adopted a one-child policy. If you're a couple in China, you could only have one child By 1984, they changed the policy slightly and said that if you're in the rural areas, you could have more than one child. But then they made the laws even more strict. And at that point, it was catching up with them. So what's happened is in 2001, um, the government was allowed to impose fines on families that had more than one child. So they were still trying to enforce this policy of one child. And in 2013, another 12 years later, fairly recently, they said, well, you know what? If you can have two children, if you came from a household that didn't have any siblings, you were the only child. Well, this year, just a short time ago, uh, just really in the last month, the leadership has announced a new policy saying that all couples will now be allowed to have two children, problem is it's too late. China has a real problem with aging. Their population is aging. And so, for example, um, we have sort of a zero growth happening right now in Europe. We have almost a break-even growth in the U.S. in terms of population increases. China has a worse problem. Um, more of a greater percentage of their population will be aging faster than other countries. That means a huge burden for health care costs. So their policy has not worked. Um, Chinese parents will now um, uh, be allowed to have two children, but they have to have a government permit to have the second child. Amazing, isn't it? It's truly amazing. But what what has happened is that the one-child policy has reduced their population in general, but it has caused the older population uh, group to increase, and that's going to reduce their overall standard of living for decades to come. And what's happened is that because of the one-child policy that has now gone back for 45 years, they've had this one-child policy, it's caused people to think that socially they should only have one child, and financially they don't want to support more than one child. So even though the government now says it's okay to have two children in China, people are so ingrained in society with having one child it's a social stigma some of the local municipalities have not adopted this change of allowing two children and so people with more than one child one child are still ostracized so their economy is going to be impacted negatively for decades to come before it sort of normalizes if you will so what's the what's the importance of that to our country and our economy well We also have a graying population in this country, Uh, and by the way, it's estimated by the year 2050, one third of the Chinese population will be elderly. We have a similar problem in terms of social security in this country because we have fewer and fewer workers who are paying into the social security system who are supporting aging baby boomers in this country, which is really a result of the population growth uh, right after World War II. So, we have a similar problem, but we have a much more diverse population. We don't have restrictions on how many children one can have. So, we're going to have a much better opportunity to continue to do better economically. But people should not think, I suspect, that the Chinese economy is going to overtake the U.S. economy. In terms of gross numbers, maybe, in terms of standard of living, probably never. Um, We'll always have a better standard of living. But it has an impact on Social Security policies. And just very recently, uh, within the last month, there's been a major change in the budget in this country. Congress got together and adopted a new federal budget. And with that, they also implemented some Social Security changes that people have been using. It's going to have a major impact on claiming strategies for couples. It's gonna have a major impact on widows, divorced women, and single women. And a lot of people don't realize this. So the importance of all this is that you need to really pay close attention to the social security landscape, the rules, the regulations. It's changing, it has changed already. Because what Congress did is they tucked into this budget plan in the dark of the night, without any publicity, some very significant changes in the Social Security ability to claim benefits. Um, The rules are complicated already, there's 20,000 pages of regulations for a married couple, there's 587 different ways you can structure how you claim, and the rules are going to be even more important for uh, single women and divorced women. I read something fairly recently that was uh, fairly shocking and sobering at the same time and that's very simply that um, 80% of women who are by themselves tend to claim Social Security at the age of 62.
0: Hmm.
1: And that's a huge number because the cardinal rule of Social Security claiming is the longer you can wait, the better. We're going to talk about some concepts of that in a minute. We're gonna talk this morning a little bit about some Medicare changes. We're gonna talk about cost of living increase. There's a lot of changes happening right now in the areas of Medicare, Social Security that impact everybody who's listening today. So let me just start by just mentioning um, there is no cost of living for 2016. That was announced recently, I think most people know that. No cost of living increase for Social Security but things still keep going up in value. The reason for this is simply that the rate of inflation, that things cost more, hasn't increased as much as the statutory formula allows. And so for anybody receiving Social Security, you're not gonna get a cost of living increase for 2016.
2: On the other hand, I believe the cost from Social Security checks for Medicare has increased.
1: Yes, that's a really good point, uh, Tenny. We're talking with attorney Tenny Lance. Um, For Medicare, which is the government health insurance program that you sign up for when you're 65, uh, for many, many people in this country, as many as 50 million people, there will be a significant increase in the cost of their Medicare premiums. So if you haven't read anything about these rules and you haven't paid attention if you happen to be one of the people impacted by Medicare increases, um, number one, you are going to pay more for your monthly Medicare cost, and number two, you are not going to get any increase in Social Security cost of living for 2016. Sort of like a double whammy for a lot of people. What I would like to do this morning, um, if it is okay with you, Phil and Tenny, is I would like to just mention a couple of things. We have had some. Uh, In the last week or so, we've had some really sobering events taking place in different parts of the world, Mm. not just in Paris, France, but in Morocco and in Lebanon, major terrorism attacks. And uh, the one positive thing, I guess, that's coming out of it is that we're going to see perhaps more cooperation between France and Russia and the U.S. in terms of how they combine to to fight the terrorist group that is known as ISIS. It's, it's really not the purpose of this show to go into political events. We've got so much we can cover on the topic of uh, financial issues and that's our main goal at uh, USA Wealth Group. But I'd like to just mention a couple of things that I thought were noteworthy in terms of some of the quotations I use. Eleanor Roosevelt wrote many years ago The war for freedom will never really be won because the price of freedom is constant vigilance over ourselves and over our government. And that's as true today as it was when she wrote it. And then on the topic of violence, um, a famous writer, science fiction writer, um, Isaac Asimov wrote, violence is the last refuge of the incompetent. Mm -hmm. And that's also, I thought, very applicable And going back to uh, centuries ago, Martin Luther, um, who really formed the Protestant religion, said, nothing good ever comes of violence. And we've seen that as well today. And I'm going to give you two other quotes from Winston Churchill, and then we're going to move into our topic. Winston Churchill once said, courage is the first of human qualities because it is the quality which guarantees all the others. And he also wrote on the topic of courage, Courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. So a great man, great information. And um, one last topic. Um, actually, I'll say this for a little later. I've got some additional quotes that I'll toss in a little bit later that I think are useful.
2: Well, let, let's let talk a little bit, though, about vigilance and courage. Um, Two acts of Congress that have impacted the older community so much over the last decade or so was the Mm -hmm. Deficit Reduction Act of 2006 and this new so-called bipartisan um, Deficit Reduction Act of 2015. Both of these were passed by Congress in the middle of the night, thousands of pages long in the budget, uh, no one really knowing what was included. Um, and so on the, on the basis of vigilance, it is so important for people to try to keep track of what's going on politically and to make their voices heard, whether it's through AARP or through their local representatives or whatever. Um, these, the last two major budget acts have really negatively impacted the senior community.
1: Yes, they have, Tenny. And, um, you know, we, we are in a, a major political season right now when people are vying to become nominees of their party for president, and yet this was a bipartisan bill. By the way, uh, the changes that they have made in Social Security are going to negatively impact a lot of us, but it's going to save the government about $8 billion. So it sounds like a lot of money, but in terms of the overall budget, it's a drop in the bucket.
2: And it was balanced on the backs of the, s- the senior community.
1: Well, that's what's happening today. Um, you know, one thing I continue to be amazed at, um, not surprised at, but amazed at, is uh, I'm really surprised all the time at how few people are prepared for retirement, Phil. Uh, Absolutely. I see it every single week. Um, I'm going to tell you a little story. I just had people this past week that came in. Um, their ages are... Um, 66, um, I'm sorry, their ag- ages are 62 and 60. Uh, it's a couple. They're both still working. Um, they um, bring home about um, 3500 to $4,000 a month, roughly. They have nothing in savings. Uh, they have nothing in retirement account uh, money or savings. They've just started a new jobs, relatively speaking, And one has just become eligible to sign up for a 401k plan, but wasn't sure what he was going to do. He's got a briefing next week, but he has zero in IRA accounts or retirement accounts. Uh, His wife has zero in retirement accounts. Um, They have $28,000 in credit card bills, and they're wondering how they're going to be able to retire in five years or eight years. And so I've examined their Social Security amounts and how they decide to take Social Security is going to be critically important to them. And we talked about doing such things as, well, give me more detail on the credit cards. Let's focus on that first, because you need to pay down the ones with the highest interest rates first and get rid of those uh, credit card bills, and you don't want those around when you go to retire. Um, But... For the husband, I said, well, how do you? How long do you plan to work? And when do you plan to retire? He said, I'm probably going to work until age 70, and that's fine. But that's what a lot of people are looking at today, having to work longer. What I encouraged them to do is I said, even though it may hurt you right now, you've got to figure out some way in your budget that you can cut back on bills. You've got to do two things simultaneously. You have to start retiring the credit card debt, Uh, They have a house with a mortgage, not a huge amount of equity, and I said, you might even be better off to take out a small equity loan that's only going to be maybe 2% interest, 3% interest, and pay off your credit card bills. But you should only do that if you're going to be able to put those credit cards aside and not build up balances on them again. So it highlights a problem that I see a lot, and that is that a lot of people are really living from paycheck to paycheck. In fact, their expression was, we live dime to dime, Mm. and that's not even dollar to dollar. I'm afraid there are a lot of people listening today who are in the same situation. So we talked about some possibilities that, well, maybe when you reach age 65 or maybe when you reach age 70, you might be able to do a reverse mortgage when you retire so that at least you don't have a mortgage payment to pay. Maybe you do an equity line in the meantime so that you can pay off some credit card debt. But you need to try to put something aside in your 401k plans. Mm-hmm. And I just said, if you're putting aside uh, $25 a week, $50 a week, maybe when you go to retire, you're going to have fifteen dollars to $20,000 in retirement savings. I just read recently that one of the largest uh, financial advisory companies in the country, one of the online companies, I won't mention them, the average retirement account, and, and they're the biggest in the country, Their average retirement account for retirement savings is $29,000. That's it? That's it. We do not save enough money in this country, and it has to start with Mm. financial education. So I I also came across recently, um, I wonder if anybody listening has heard of something called the MyRA. I'm sure you haven't heard of it. No. I don't think you've heard of it, Tenny, because we haven't discussed it. So you've heard of 401K accounts and IRA accounts? Right. Right. Well, a whole year ago, um, President Obama in his last State of the Union address talked about having a new account created called MY, capital R-A, which stands for My Retirement Account, and it's supposed to be a simplified version of doing something like a 401k account. Right. And I have heard of that, actually. Okay, but it's been a total bust. It hasn't worked. It's intended to be for somebody who doesn't have a 401K account at work but wants to put something aside. Um, And the um, Office of Personnel Management, uh, basically, which helped to set this up, said that their office has not yet created or named any employers that have sponsored this account a whole year later almost. Mm -hmm. Uh, It allows people to aggregate as much as $15,000 dollars So one of the problems is you don't get a tax deduction for it. It's after tax dollars. You can put money in this account. So it's very much modeled after a Roth IRA, but the maximum you can put into it is 15,000. And the theory is that once you have this money aside, then you can roll it over into a Roth later. And you don't get any taxes when you take money out of it. So the bottom line is it's it's kind of a, a forced saving. There was a editorial just recently in the Boston Globe Sunday, in November that said, uh, early November, uh, forcing people to save money um, is not something that we customarily do in this country. Um, Other countries do. For example, in Denmark, they have um, every employer, government or private, automatically has to put aside part of the money that an employee makes into a retirement account. It's a form of forced savings.
2: Makes sense.
1: So if you think of what's happening in this country, and this is and I'm going to get off this topic um, and move on to something else, we've eliminated typical pension plans, which was really a kind of forced savings, because part of the money that the employer, instead of giving it to the employee, they were putting it into a pension plan. So then we eliminated pension plans, and we're doing that for almost everybody, with a few exceptions, like some municipal employees. That's a kind of forced savings People don't have the discipline or the knowledge or the education to set up savings for themselves. So that's why we have such an incredibly low savings rate in this country. So one of the things that we may talk about from time to time is should the government require employers to put aside money so that employees, when they retire, will have something in a retirement account? And right now it's just not happening. But this my R A account, uh, has not really kicked off, has not been successful. Yeah, How was virus. it
2: supposed to benefit anything? If, if it, it sounds like a regular savings account.
1: It's like a regular savings account. Oh, and there's only one financial company in the country that's going to manage all of this.
2: Well, that sounds like collusion.
1: Sounds like collusion, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like putting $500 million into an energy company that went bust. Um Cylindra, Was that the name of the company? That was it. Solyndra. (laughs) Out in
0: California.
1: Well, the big news of today, um, ladies and gentlemen, is that uh, we're not doing enough to save um, and the government's not giving us a cost of living increase in Social Security and we're going to pay more, many of us, for Medicare insurance. And now the government has just changed some of the significant rules for Social Security. So now... More than ever, you need to get some professional advice about when should you take Social Security. I was on a webinar just the last couple of days so I could get more information. Um, I have filled an entire three-inch, three-ring notebook with information about these new changes. It's complicated, but the person doing the webinar, who's a person I admire and respect out of Scottsdale, Arizona, Rex Vodelin is his name, Um, I've heard him speak three times in person on Social Security. He was instructing us on some of the new changes, and he said, here's something you won't believe. I just got a letter from my own broker-dealer security uh, advisor this morning. They had information advising people, and they gave out incorrect information to everybody on their mailing list about these new Social Security changes. Wow. So... It's important to get uh, correct information. So as Tenny mentioned and I mentioned earlier, um, the changes are significant. They will impact a lot of people. Um, they're not as bad as some people think for individuals, but they're clearly going to impact married couples. So you want to get proper advice on when you should collect. At the very end of this uh, program today, we're going to save some time to talk about some general uh, hints and general ideas about Social Security. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about that uh, when we come back. And we're going to really hone in and focus very much on the new changes and who they impact, what they do, what they don't do. And then we're going to talk about some general topics for everybody who's listening. So stay tuned with us. We'll be back in a minute and talk with Attorney Tenny Lance. We're going to talk about Social Security. We're not going to talk anymore about... Medicare today, but we will talk about the Social Security changes. They're important. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Money Wise, brought to you every week by USA Wealth Group. We're located at 352 Fonts Corner Road, we have a very simple mission. We want to show you how to protect your family and how to protect your money. We hope that when you listen to our show every week, you can learn something new about financial ideas, tell it to a friend, come on in for some specific advice. Um, In our office on Fonts Corner Road, we're happy to provide you some information. We've got a great baby boomer's guide to Medicare, we have a great Baby Boomer's Guide to Social Security and lots and lots of interesting articles. And you can reach us at 508-998-8858. And you can also find out some information about us on our website, which is usawealthgroup.com. So thank you for listening every week. And, uh, Phil, thank you for being with me. We it is such a pleasure, right appreciate Ray. that. And Attorney Tenny Lance, uh, thank you for being with us this morning.
0: I'm
2: always happy to be here.
1: Now, one of the things we did um, before coming together for this show is um, your secretary also gave us articles dealing with Medicare planning and Medicare claiming strategies. And by the way, this is a time of year when people can reevaluate whether you're getting the best options for your money for Medicare. It's called the open enrollment period time of year.
2: That's right, and it only lasts until December 7th. You only have a few weeks to do this evaluation.
1: And what are some of the ideas that you might have about how people could do that? Who should they talk to to get information on evaluating it?
2: Probably the best thing to do is to contact the SHINE counselor at your local Council on Aging. Those volunteers are incredibly well-informed, have computer programs and so forth that will evaluate your insurance needs in relation to your health needs. Uh, and so any supplement that you might have for Medicare, which everyone needs because, as you know, there are uh, copays and deductions with the Medicare system. So if you have Medicare, you need some kind of supplement, Blue Cross or United or Harvard Pilgrim or Fallon or any of those. And the Shine counselor can help you to evaluate which is the most cost-effective for you.
1: And I know, Tenny, you do primarily work in the area of um, estate planning, but you also do a lot of work in the area of Medicaid planning. What does that do?
2: Well, people need to understand that Medicare and Medicaid are totally different things. Medicare is a health insurance program. It's the federal, health insurance basic program for those of us who are over 65. But Medicare will not pay for long-term care in a nursing home. And that kind of care is only paid for either by private pay or through the Medicaid program, totally different from Medicare. And if you'd like more information about that, it's probably best to call our office and come in and have a conversation about your potential Medicaid needs?
1: Well, every person is different, so it's really hard to uh, give any kind of advice over the phone, and I think most people wouldn't do that anyway. It's just not a good policy. You know, my advice to uh, people that I see is very specific, but it's also the same in one regard. I tell people that when you're retired or getting closer to retirement, there are several things you need to do. One, get more conservative in how you're investing. You don't wanna lose money. You can't afford the time. You don't have the time to make up money if you lose money by not handling it correctly. The second thing is obviously make sure you get proper social security advice. But I'm gonna tell you also that even if you're collecting social security already, and let's say you're under the age of 70 and you wish you had done things a little different there are several options for doing things over again or stopping or stopping and paying back. Some things, some strategies have to be done within 12 months from the time you start collecting. And there are other ways that you can have a do over uh, without paying back the money. But there are several options and it will allow your account to continue to grow to a larger amount. So don't think that if you have already started collecting Social Security, maybe it's too late to To change that, there are some things that you can change and do over. You know, Phil, one of the things that uh, I do is I ask anybody in my office. I constantly clip articles out of magazines and newspapers, and I catalog them. We have something called an i-file, which stands for information file. Mm -hmm. Everything from reverse mortgages to Roth IRAs to claiming strategies. And because there's so many things, you can't keep track of them all. And then periodically, I want to look up something on a particular topic, and I might have six or eight articles on that one subject. Very good, yeah. So, uh, it drives Tenny crazy sometimes.
2: Well, only because um, when we sit and watch a TV program at night, and suddenly you go because he's tearing something out of the newspaper, <laughs> <laughs> it does drive me a little crazy. That's true. I
0: buy him a pair of scissors for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he
2: gets too excited to wait for the scissors. Only
0: if they're electric
2: scissors.
1: (laughs) But sure. But uh, here's an article recently. You know, we tell people, you know, nobody's making money in the bank today. You have risk in the stock market. Think about doing index funds. There's an article uh, in this month in Forbes magazine uh, by a gentleman named William Baldwin. He writes on investment strategies every month. And he's uh, got an article I have in my hand called, Don't Worry, Be Wealthy. (laughs) Well, don't worry, just survive is even more appropriate today. But he says, uh, basically, uh, if you are in the stock market or mutual funds and your account is being traded over, you know, once a year, you can easily take a half a percent off the total returns that you're getting. Um, He says, you know, instead, think about getting into something that's an index fund, and that's A large part of what we do in our office, we do a lot of work with indexed annuities where the principal is protected and doesn't go down, but you you have the benefit of increases if the index goes up. And I'm not going to go into that article in detail. If anybody wants a copy, call my office at 508-998-8858. We'll get you a copy. He concludes this by saying, you should save more. Putting away 10% of your paycheck is not adequate. Double that. That's his closing argument in his article.
2: But more and more, I'm seeing in my office people who have lots of money stashed in bank accounts, and we try to tell them that bank accounts are actually losing them money given the rate of inflation uh, versus the amount of earnings on that bank account. So we try to um, encourage them to look at other options.
1: And I want to tell people that... um, The topic of these recent Social Security changes is important to everybody. Some people are affected. Some people are not affected. We've got two really good charts. We're happy to provide that for you. Uh, This is stuff that we have from uh, the Annexus Research Institute, which is an organization that we belong to, and it's a company that designs some of the financial products that we do business with. Um, and some of it's just stuff off the internet that's very important. So we have a chart, for example, that breaks down the new Social Security claiming changes, and it's a matrix, which is a chart. It's complicated. So we start out, we've got five different categories of people, and whoever you are listening, I will tell you that you are in one of these categories. You're currently married, or you're an unmarried but divorced spouse, and you were previously married for at least 10 years. That's one very important category under Social Security. Or you might be parents with dependent or disabled children, or you might be a surviving spouse, or you might just be an individual. But you're gonna typically follow fall in one of these five categories. Individual, surviving spouse, parents with a dependent or disabled children, an unmarried divorced uh, spouse, and your marriage was at least 10 years, or you're currently married. So if you fit into one of those categories, and I can tell you that every one of you listening will, now you need to look at what are the claiming strategies. And depending upon which one of these little boxes you fall in, these claiming strategies are gonna be different for every one of these categories. So this is complicated stuff. Nevertheless, if you wanna try to read about this, We'll be happy to give you this chart. You can come by the office and get it, or we'll be happy to mail it to you, whatever is most convenient. So there's a strategy called file and suspend. There's a strategy called restricted application. We've talked about file and suspend yes. before on the radio. Mm-hmm. And that's a strategy that says when we've used this very successfully before. We can have one person who um, wants to file for Social Security, and it has to be age 66 to do file and suspend, and they want to suspend because they want their own individual account to continue to accumulate. And then because they've done that, if they're married, their spouse, let's say they're also 66, can claim a spousal benefit which is equal to 50% of the larger person's account. So it's a great strategy. It allows the spouse with a smaller contract or smaller claiming benefit to collect half of the amount for the larger person's benefit, a spouse with a larger benefit, not the larger spouse. (laughs) (laughs) We'd all be in trouble with that one, wouldn't we? Um, So this obviously applies to uh, married people. Uh, It can also apply to an unmarried divorced spouse. and it doesn't necessarily apply to individuals or surviving spouses or parents with dependent children. So some of these strategies are gonna change and some of them are not. The most important thing to tell you is that if you are already working under one of these claiming strategies, most for the most part, you're gonna be fully grandfathered and it's gonna continue. But this is where there's a lot of information. So. Um, There are five different categories of where you fit as a person, but then there are ten different areas in which each of you will have a question, like a survivor benefit. Survivor benefit for a surviving spouse. Uh, Your spouse has died, you're collecting their benefit. That's unchanged, 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 unchanged by any of these strategies. Each of these strategies is also restricted by age. I can't possibly go into all this because nobody could possibly follow it. So one category is if you're under 62, um, or you're not yet 62, you're not gonna benefit from any of these, uh, some of these changes, uh, and you're not gonna be impacted by them. In other cases, if you're 62 by January 1st, 2016, which is a short time away, then you can benefit from some of these strategies, but you've got to act quickly. And then there's another category that some of these changes are gonna be available to you, but only if you act within six months from the date this bill was signed into law, which was November 2. Mm -hmm. And then there's another date that some of these changes have to be in place by uh, the 1st of November. Um, So we've got four different date categories. 10 different claiming strategies in five different categories of where you fit in this whole scheme.
2: It you, sounds way too complicated for is. most people, and therefore they should come and see you.
1: Right. Well, and, th- and that's really the particular point. Uh, and I know this sounds confusing to people, and people are going to say, well, you know, what is Ray talking about? How can I possibly follow this? And the point is you can't. I'll be happy to give anybody a copy of the chart. But here's the most important message that I will give you. There are significant changes, especially for married couples. There are significant changes depending upon when you reach 62, and many of these changes are no longer gonna be available to you after um, April, in the middle of April in 2016. So if you think that you have the potential to be impacted by these changes, and perhaps you ought to act now then you ought to act now. You ought to make an appointment and come in and review. And we're doing this already with clients. Um, I'm not gonna say anything more about the changes because it's too complicated. We're gonna be doing some seminars and we will go into it in a little bit more detail and we'll do it on a timely basis so that some people will still have an opportunity to act but not everybody comes out to a seminar. What I'd like to focus on, and uh, Phil, you actually have a copy of this, and so does Tenny. Yes. There was a great article that was um, in USA Today on November 4 of this month, and it says, Age More Than Magic Number for Social Security Benefits. So I want to give you a couple of key concepts of Social Security. Number one is the most important concept of full retirement age. If you're born um, basically before 1954, your full retirement age is 66. If you're born after 1954, it goes up by a few months uh, every year. If you're born 1960 or after, your full retirement age for collecting Social Security is 67. Now let me be clear. You can still file for Social Security at age 62, but you're gonna make 25% more if you wait until full retirement age. So for most of you listening, your full retirement age is 66. Right. If you're born 1960 or later, it's gonna be 67. We're gonna stick with this figure for age 66 for a moment. You gotta focus in on the concept of full retirement age, and if you wanna collect sort of the normal amount, you wait until age 66. Age 66 is also a magic age because you can continue working after 66. You can collect at age 66 and continue working, and when you do that, the government does not reduce your Social Security benefit. But for example, if you start collecting Social Security before your full retirement age, let's say at age 62, and you continue to work, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot because you're going to be giving the government back money for every $2 you make over roughly $15,000, you're going to give back a dollar of your Social Security check. They'll make it up for you later, but what you've done is you've started to collect Social Security too early.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, there's an interesting quote in this article, Ray, that um, I think kind of sums up the most important thing pre-retirement's people need to know about Social Security is the consequences of filing for benefits before full retirement age. Right, Their benefit will be permanently reduced.
1: Yep. And that's a quote from the lady who um, is the main advisor at a company called Horses Mouth out of New York. We uh, subscribe to all their material. We get their slides, their materials. They're current on everything. So here's what happens if you collect at age 62. And as I said, 80% of single women collect at age 62. You you start out at a lower benef- benefit amount, and it's permanently reduced for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. If you can afford to wait to full retirement age, age 66, do that. Critically important. Don't And don't make the mistake of starting to collect at age 62 and then continue to work, because they're going to pull back some of your check from you. So now you've got a double problem. You're going to be permanently reduced, at a lower amount for the rest of your life and they're gonna take back some of the money you thought you were gonna get. So wait until full retirement age. That concept is the most important concept in collecting social security. And by the way, if you can wait until age 70, you get 8% more for every year that you wait. So let's say that you started to collect at age 66 because you thought you were doing a great thing. You're now 68 and you said, gee, I wish I had waited until age 70. You can actually stop collecting Social Security There's a form you have to file and tell Social Security, stop my checks right now. I want my account account to continue to accumulate for two more years. And then you'll resume it again at age 70, but you're going to get a larger check.
0: That's one of the do-overs. I'm I'm looking at these numbers here. At 67, it says you can collect $1,000. On
2: average. On
0: average. On average at 70, it's $1,240 now why don't you put in here so that's roughly around twenty five hundred dollars a year you're going to get if you wait those years how about if you isn't there a formula to figure out well maybe i should start collecting now before those numbers you know equal what what i could be making
1: yeah great question uh phil it's a terrific question um We actually have three or four different software programs that will show you the optimal age for you to collect. Or if you say, well, I don't have longevity in my family. What if I don't live a long time, and therefore I want to start at age 62? Well, we can show you exactly what the age is for reaching the break-even point. So if you wait until 66, for example, how long does it take you to come up to the amount that you would have received if you had started collecting 62 to 66. Hmm. Is
0: there an average?
1: Um, it, it's around the, the mid to late 70s for a break-even, depending upon the account. That's a long while.
2: It's a long while if you don't expect to live that long. Yeah. Life. Or yeah. if you
1: had you know, an illness and you didn't expect to live a long time. But the important thing to remember is that at full retirement age, whether your age is 66 or 67, it's 25% more at your full retirement age, 66, Mm -hmm. than it would be at age 62. Mm -hmm. But if you can also afford to wait until age 70, you're going to get 8% more a year. So a minute ago when I mentioned the possibility of, yeah, I'm already collecting. I wished I hadn't, but uh, I can't pay it back because it's more than a year. Within a year you can pay it back and just let it all accumulate until a later age. After a year you can't do that, but you can still stop collecting the payments and allow the account to continue to accumulate. So again, let's say you started at 62, and you said at age 66, I wished I hadn't done that, and I'm gonna stop taking my benefits, I'm gonna suspend my benefits, this is my do-over. You're gonna get an 8% increase for the next four years. That's a total of 32% higher. So where can you make 8% on your money today? That's like making 8% on your money. Lots of good things you can do, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you haven't figured this out yet, it's a really complicated uh, process. Um, you have to know your full retirement age. You have to think about your spouse if you're married. Because let's say you're a husband. You have a slightly higher account than your wife does, for example. And you say, oh, I'm going to start collecting at age 62. And uh, she's going to do the same thing. Um, she's not gonna get as much money if the husband dies first. So if the husband, on the other hand, can accumulate longer and collect a higher amount, then if he dies first, his wife can take over his higher benefit and she'll have a higher benefit for the rest of her life. And you gotta remember in that equation, if they're both collecting Social Security and one dies, they're only gonna get one Social Security check going forward. It's another strong reason to allow your accounts to continue to accumulate. But don't decide any of this in a vacuum. We have to sit down with you and take a look at what are your other potential sources of retirement income, and what can we recommend to you that would allow you to maximize your Social Security. So the final thought on this is do not assume that if you've already started collecting that it's too late. Mm -hmm. There may be some important strategies you can use. I apologize for talking as much as I did today, today, Tenny, and not having you have a chance to speak.
2: That's all right. You're the expert on Social yes. Security.
1: Well, it's complicated. Um, don't ever think that it's not. We want to leave you with a couple of parting thoughts. And I just want to come back, basically, and uh, give you a couple of ideas. Ernest Hemingway once said that courage is grace under pressure. And there are some important things that we all need to think about in these uh, tough times. I, one of my favorite spokespersons is uh, Teddy Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, a the president. He said, for far better it is to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to take rank, rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live in the gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. But in any event, retirement is not for sissies. Um, we appreciate you living, listening to us every single week. We've got so much to share that it's sometimes uh, hard to get all the words out. Um, my last quote today is from Mark Twain. Age is an issue of mind over matter If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Do something for Social Security. Do something for your family. Get some good advice. Uh, Goodbye
2: for today, everyone.
1: Call Tenny at 508-998-8800. Call our office at 508-998-8858. And thank you for listening.